Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hey, hey, and welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you very much for pulling your chair up to the cool kids table. And before we get started, I've got to thank the sponsor or one of the sponsors of today's show. So today's show is brought to you by Open Sky Fitness. If you're an entrepreneur and you're tired of the hustle mentality and you know that you need some healthy balance, you're not alone. Rob at Open Sky Fitness helps busy achievers push away from their desk and carve out some time for healthier choices based on your personal goal. And a little side note, I am deep into an eight-week challenge that he's sponsoring out over at OpenSkyFitness.com. And it's not hard. It's 20 minutes a day, but he's kicking my butt a little bit. So he's good. Hey, if getting in better shape is your goal and you seek either online coaching or in-person training, if you live in the Los Angeles area, you've got to talk to Rob at Open Sky Fitness. Check out his offerings at OpenSkyFitness.com and check out his podcast, the Open Sky Fitness Podcast, available on iTunes. So today, I am welcoming someone back to the show, and I love to do that. We've been doing this now for, gosh, over 308 or 309 episodes, and uh, we've had over 250 amazing guests, but it's been a three-year period, and people are doing new things. So one of the things I love to do is invite some of the people back and talk about what they're up to now. And one of my favorite guests was Dory Clark. Now, Dory has an eclectic background. She's worked in politics. She's been in, in academia. She's worked in big business. And a couple years ago, she spun out and decided, to heck with that, I am going to be Dory Clark, Inc. She is her own person. She's a consultant. She's a speaker. She's an author. She does really, really, really amazing stuff. And I will tell you, she has written three fantastic books, maybe more. I've read two of them, and i got to read this new one. We're going to talk about the new one today. But she wrote a book called Reinventing You that spoke to me a couple of years ago because I was in the process of doing some reinvention with myself. It was about the time I was starting this podcast, and it's one of the few books that I have ever reread. And before that, she wrote a book called Stand Out, and if you listen to me, you've ever seen me speak, you know that's one of the things I've always talked about is you got to find your way to stand out in this noisy world. And let's face it, the world's even noisier than it was three or four years ago with all the, the social tools and everybody going, hey, look at me, look at me. So Dory has done a great job, and her new book is called Entrepreneurial You. And I will tell you, since my podcast is called Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do, when I saw that, I was like, huh, Dory, you're coming back on the show for sure. So welcome back to the show, Dory Clark. Tom, thank you for having me. I'm delighted to be back. Oh, that's great. So you were on, I don't know, it's been a couple of years. What's new in the entrepreneurial life of Dory Clark since you were last a guest on this show? Well, the, the biggest thing, uh, Tom, in addition to, of course, writing Entrepreneurial You, is the impetus behind writing Entrepreneurial You, which is that after uh, after touring around, speaking about about Stand Out and launching that, I, I really came to, to realize in talking to people, Stand Out is a book about how to become a recognized expert in your field, how to differentiate yourself from the competition. Of course, that is that is an important thing. That's an essential thing in today's economy. But what I came to realize again and again through the conversations that I was having with entrepreneurs is that 
it's not it's not really enough. Um, of course, uh, it's it's great uh, to to be an expert to be recognized for it, but it, it certainly doesn't guarantee that you're going to make a good living. It is actually a completely different skill set. Figuring out how to monetize that expertise, and so I wrote Entrepreneurial You and spent the past couple of years researching and writing it because I wanted to really dig into what the current business models are for entrepreneurs. What are the ways that we can create multiple income streams so that we can de-risk our enterprises, so that we can make more money, uh, and so that we can leverage ourselves a little bit more and begin to get some of this much vaunted passive income that everyone's talking about. Uh, so that's that's why I wrote the book to explore that and try to crack the code. So, you know, you talk about the fact that, uh, you know, the current business model was one of the things you just said. What is the current business model? What, what's going on out there that's maybe different than three, four or five years ago? Well, I think one of the one of the biggest things is just the the incredible opportunity that the internet presents. I have run into a lot of professionals that are, um, you know, they've built very good, successful businesses, but many of them are running themselves ragged because the way that they are making money is strictly predicated on trading time for dollars. They are coaches, they're consultants, they might be speakers like yourself, and that is great. You can make a good living, but if you're getting into the upper echelons of that, um, eventually you run out of time and it, and it becomes incredibly burdensome in some ways. Um, for me, a really decisive moment was actually, um, you know, around the time that I was coming out with, with standout, I, I was just finding myself sick all the time. I gave 74 talks in 2015. I was constantly on airplanes, traveling around, and I was I was just feeling run down. And I realized, you know, I, I need to make some changes. I need to be able to spend a little more time at home and get, get more leverage in my business. And so I interviewed for Entrepreneurial You more than 50 very successful high six, seven, eight-figure entrepreneurs to understand very precisely what they were doing to earn their money and what that process looked like. How did they get there? And I essentially reverse engineered it to create a roadmap so that regular professionals could could follow it and can learn from it. And so my goal in Entrepreneurial You was to create essentially a smorgasbord of options so that people can read the book, go through it and say, that seems appealing or, you know, that one speaks to me. Not everyone, of course, is going to be a, a, a speaker like, like you or me. They might not enjoy that, but maybe they want to do something like start an online community or maybe they want to become a blogger or maybe they want to do some coaching on the side, something like that. And so any of these things are good possible avenues to explore if you know the right questions to ask and if you, uh, if you really uh, focus in and apply yourself with that business model. So one of the things of having hosted this show now for 300 episodes or more and interviewing really cool people like you, it was sort of like, it's sort of become like my own personal university. I've learned so yes. much from, from the brilliance. So interviewing 50 kind of high performing, high successful entrepreneurs, what are some of the, the threads or the lessons that were, that were commonplace that you learned? Well, I'll tell you one that I found really shocking and, and surprising, and you have clearly already crushed this one. Um, there was a piece of research that I came across, and specifically it was research about podcasts, but I would actually argue that in many ways this is this is a study that is applicable to 
all of life <laughs> to the entire business world. And that is there's a researcher named Josh Morgan, and he did a 10-year longitudinal study of podcasts. And so from 2005 to 2015, he looked at all the podcasts out there. Now, number one, okay, lots of podcasts, 206,000 podcasts when he That's did this study. And, and 10 times that now. Exactly. It's only exploded from there. So anyway, even in 2015, you look at it, any rational person would say, oh my gosh, why should I even bother? There's so many podcasts. There's so much competition. But the really interesting thing that Josh Morgan discovered is if you look at this this huge uh, universe longitudinally, the average podcast lasts just 12 episodes before its creator quits. Uh, uh. Now, you're on episode 300 plus, uh, which is automatically just setting you apart. But I think that's really the key in a lot of ways. People um, oftentimes get discouraged from even bothering to try in so many areas because they assume, well, you know, there's so much competition. It could never work. But the truth is you're not competing against 200 people. You're competing against uh, 20,000 or 2,000 or 200. If you keep keep it up and, and persist, the odds are so much stacked in your favor. You just need to start. Well, and that's so interesting to hear you say that because I started this off. I mean, podcasting was maybe I was a year behind when it sort of went boom three years ago. But uh, the one thing that I did is I set out to do 50 because it came about I was going to do 50 blog posts. They were going to be written interviews. And I've said this on the show before. The way it happened was I went to a seminar and the guy who was speaking said, if you ever feel like you're stuck in a rut, if you ever feel you need to reinvent you to steal the title of your book, uh, one of the things you have to do is go out and talk to successful people. And his advice was go interview 50 people who are successful and you'll success leaves clues. You'll start to find things and then write it up on your blog or whatever. So I was going to do a 50 series blog post and everybody was like, oh, you should do it as a podcast. You should do it as a podcast. So I thought, well, okay, I could do, you know, I could do two a week and I'd be done by, by Christmas and then I don't have to do all the writing. So a podcast might be better. And the plan was to do 50. And over the course of the last three years, I'm just now hitting my stride, right? So this podcast, uh, listenership is going up. People are starting to contact me more saying, oh, I've been listening for a while. And then the other thing is it's spinning off speaking business. And if I had quit after 12 episodes, I would have left tens of thousands of dollars uh, on the table because I've spun off several speaking gigs now. So I, I cringe when you say people stop at 12 because that would have been so easy. And I'm pretty sure that you're number 310. I don't have it in front of me. But, you know, what if I had stopped at 12? I never would have even met you. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And of course, you know this having gone through to the other side. You've, you've kind of worked through that trough where you feel like, oh my God, why am I doing this? No one's listening. And you made it through to the other side and you see the, the impact and, and you're able to, to look back and say, I'm so glad I kept it up. But if you're the person who stops at 12, you never even realize what yeah. it could have been. And I, I think that, that that's a powerful lesson for all of us, that sometimes we, we just need to keep persisting a little a little further than we think that, uh, that we should. And sometimes you don't know where it's going to lead to. So one of the things I do as part of my job, I speak mostly, but sometimes I'm the master of ceremonies for these big events. And one of the things I offer up is I can interview, instead of doing Q&A, I can come out on stage as your master of ceremonies and interview the speaker. So if Dory was the keynote speaker, I could come out, we could pull up a couple of high boys, and instead of doing 15 minutes of random Q&A, I can ask sort of in-depth questions, and I can control the audience. And some of the meeting planners love that. It's like, it's as if it's an invented new idea. But afterwards, they come back and they go, wow, you're very good at interviewing 
the our speaker or our president or hosting that panel. How did you? That's get, right. How'd you how'd you learn to do that? that? I get that question all the time. How did you learn to be an interviewer? Do you have a media background? I say no. It's three hundred podcast episodes. That's right. That's right. It's your professional development. That's right. So you, you mentioned about trading time for dollars. And, and, you know, I am a pure solopreneur. I'm, I am a one-man show. I mean, I have an accountant and a bookkeeper, and occasionally I hire somebody to do a marketing project. But for the most part, it's me. Uh, and I do understand that, that point of sort of reaching the, the top. But what is someone like me, and I have a lot of people who listen who are solopreneurs, and, and this whole idea of multiple streams of income, I mean, that's a great idea. But it takes me 50 hours a week to keep this running the way it does. What are some of the things people can do for to monetize more outside of their time for dollars life? Yeah, great, great question. And I will say up front, too, I am a solopreneur as well. Um, I have had my own business for 11 years. I uh, do not have any employees. I, I have a part-time VA, by which I mean she works for me 10 hours a week. So it's it's very limited. Um, so I've managed to create these these eight income streams uh, without, without having to do too many different things. Really the secret, I, I think it might sound overwhelming to people, the idea of like, oh, let's create, you know, lots of income streams. Two things to keep in mind. Number one, um, I would never advise someone to to start creating a million new income streams all at once, right? This is a process. I over, I've spent the past five years cultivating multiple income streams. So uh, this is something that if you tackle one or at most two new income streams per year, that is a manageable pace. You don't want to do more than that. You want to be able to get good at doing one extra thing and then layer on on top of it so you don't get overwhelmed. The second piece that I would mention is that where it can be overwhelming is if you were just doing wildly different things. You know, if you were, oh, I, I you know, run a bakery and I uh, and I do dog training and I'm also a speaker and <laughs> oh, I also uh, am a window washer. You know, it's like all over the map. But if you're able to create multiple streams of income that tie in and connect with one another so that one thing reinforces another thing, then it's not that hard. So for instance, um, you know, we're on, you know, we're doing this podcast and the the goal, you know, my goal, I'm part of part of my book tour right now. So I'm promoting my book, Entrepreneurial You. So hopefully people who listen to this, if they like it, they might buy a copy of Entrepreneurial You. Go but- buy her book. Go buy <laughs> Entrepreneurial You right now. My guess is if you went to Amazon.com and searched entrepreneurial you, Dory Clark would pop up. <laughs> I think that's true. And thank you, Tom. I appreciate that. But, you know, it's, in addition to that, a certain percentage of people who might read Entrepreneurial You, they might say, oh, this is really good. This is just what I need. I should, for instance, hire Dory for coaching or I should join Dory's online course or, oh, I run a conference. Maybe Dory should be a speaker at that. And so it, it doing that one thing, promoting the book actually has auxiliary spin-off benefits that creates a good marketing flywheel. So let's use you as a little example. You say you have eight streams of income. Let's go back 11 years to when you said goodbye to, to academia or wherever you were working at that time and said, I am now going to be Dory. What was your first stream of income and, and where have you gone? I mean, you don't have to tell us everything, but give us a little bit of the path of what your eight streams are. 
Sure, I am happy to tell you everything, Tom. No worries, just ask. I'm pretty, I'm pretty darn transparent, which is which is something I tried, I tried to really do in Entrepreneurial You because so much of the time when people talk about money and how entrepreneurs make money, there's just all this obfuscation. It's you know like lots of chest thumping and blah blah blah. One day I was poor, and then now look at my Lamborghini. Ten X your business by Christmas. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I, I kind of, I kind of cringe at what I call sort of the guru class because a lot of, a lot of that training seems to be like, you know, sort of like, hey, do this. And yet they're not doing it. It's like, eh. So I like the fact that you're transparent. And I know for a fact you're out there crushing it. So so let's take us through that path. Thank you. So when I started my business in 2006, I had, you are correct, exactly one stream of income. And that that was my one stream of income for, for the next uh, about seven years, six to seven years. Um, and that was that I did marketing strategy consulting. So companies would hire me to do a marketing plan or maybe a social media plan for them. That was, that was basically my shtick. Um, but it was uh, it was a very conscious effort about five or six years ago for me to start diversifying my revenue streams because I, I realized that of course a, you know if if you have one income stream like from a from a day job uh, of course that that is a little precarious I know this from personal experience because I got laid off from my first job as a journalist um, that was rough certainly I was a little bit more protected and uh, and had the risk a little bit more mitigated as an entrepreneur because I had multiple clients that I was working for. So if I lost one, it was not going to be a devastating blow. But I, I realized in thinking about it, you know, I'm doing the same thing for all of these clients. And if you're doing the same thing, there's still the possibility that there might be market disruption. There might be a new competitor that enters. Just the circumstances might change. And whatever you're selling might be less useful or desirable, it, it leaves you vulnerable. And I realized that I would be able to both capture more opportunity on the upside and mitigate against risk even better if I consciously created multiple income streams. So the first, um, you know, secondary revenue stream that I that I created was uh, from from writing books. So I got my first book contract in 2011 uh, for for sorry for reinventing you, and then that book came out and was released in 2013. Um, another one that I was cultivating around the same time was uh, doing business school teaching, and so that's something that I've I've done on the side for different for different uh, business schools now, primarily for the Fuqua School of Business at Duke. So that's three. Um, around the time that Reinventing You was released, I started being able to get paid to speak. Up until that time, <laughs> I had done a lot of speaking, but it was for free yeah. to Surpri market my business. It, it's kind of surprisingly and yet fun when you get the check for giving the speech the first time. You're like, they just gave they just gave me money <laughs> it's so true because yeah after, after a while when you've been doing something for free for so long like oh please let me speak and then now they're paying you it was really revelatory um so that was amazing so that was that was four and um and then you know things kind of began to to evolve from there i think part of the time uh when you're coming up with multiple revenue streams uh in some ways all you need to do to get at least some of them is to listen to what customers are asking you for. So when Reinventing You was released, that this is a, you know, all the consulting work I had done up to that point was was at the organizational level. You know, here's here's an organizational marketing plan. But the books that I wrote, first Reinventing You, then Stand Out, now Entrepreneurial You, are all aimed at the individual professional. And so Starting from when Reinventing You came out, I started to get requests for coaching. Oh, do you do coaching around this? And I always would say to them at first, I'm like, no, 
nope, I don't do that. I'm not a coach. And then after a while, I'm like, God, you're an idiot. You keep turning away all these people. <laughs> so, so I have a, I have a, a, a sort of a small coaching group that I, that I run called the Potential Mastermind. And the same thing happened. Three or four people reached out and said, do you do coaching? And I said, nah, that's really not my thing. And after three or four, I was like, I wonder how much money I just left behind. So I started this little <laughs> online thing and it's been going for a little over a year and it's, it's not a huge income stream, but I love doing it. And we have, you know, a handful of people and we all get on the call. Well, not everybody comes every week, but we get on the call once a week and do a little video Skype or, or Zoom hangout. And everybody talks about what they're trying to accomplish in their careers and, and where the gaps are in their potential. And I've really, I think I've really helped people. And I'm like, huh, I could have kept saying no, but you know, it was a good idea to listen so that you're right on. Exactly. It's such a good example, Tom. Yeah. So I had something similar. So eventually I started saying yes. So now, you know, coaching is a six figure part of my business. Uh, and it was just something that I, that I had turned, turned away for a long time. But, but finally I, I, I wised up and I'm like, oh, actually I could do this. And, uh, and similarly, I, I feel like I've been able to really help people, which has been wonderful. Uh, and then the last ones just, you know, we can go into depth, more depth about any of these, but uh, but not to belabor it, uh, I started doing online courses. I have uh, joint venture and affiliate income. And I also, in the past year, have started doing some live events and, and kind of mastermind retreats. So those are the eight uh, income streams that I've cultivated. That is awesome. I've got way more questions for you. You can't go anywhere. You, you might miss your next interview because we're staying for a while. <laughs> but first, I've got to thank the other sponsor of this episode. So this show is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure that you sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and the technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing really cool people like Dory Clark. Hey, if you want to start a podcast, and I know some of you do, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. And I've said it before, they might be the best vendor I've ever worked with in any business I've ever been in. They're just great to work with. So if the podcast bug is floating around and, and you want to do more than 12 episodes, then uh, I think you need to talk to the people at, at Podfly. So, Dory, you talked about the fact that you have these eight streams, which is consulting, writing, teaching at business school, speaking, coaching, your online course, JV and affiliate uh, business, and then also live events. So is there one of those that is really sort of true to your heart and the others are there, or are they all sort of equal parts of what is your business? They're they're all fun for me. I mean, if they weren't, I wouldn't do them. Honestly, that's kind of the the the, the great benefit of entrepreneurship is that you you do have total control over what you say yes to. Um, I think that you know if we're if we're talking uh, you know on a on a sort of per per minute basis, probably the most fun for me, uh, probably like you, is speaking, just because it's so nice to get the immediate feedback from people. It's kind of rare in business life that you get that. And so being able to see a crowd kind of get into something is cool. Uh, but but I, I really like all the things that I get to do. So I, you know, I'm a speaker first and I probably always have been even before I made it my career. And I certainly probably always will be. So for me, that's sort of the thing. But I do some of these other things too. But you know, you talk about sort of like having an online course. Over the last couple of years, that's advice that seems to be coming from everywhere. And I actually think that there's a lot of charlatans out there who have kind of these schemes and there's a lot of people who are making a lot of money teaching people how to create this form of income that you're going to make money in your jammies and all this stuff. Um, 
how do you establish this without getting caught up in someone's scam where the only person who makes money is the person teaching you how to do the course or the online business? I know that, that that's something that you care about. How, how can people be aware if they're going to go online that they're building something legitimate and that they're not getting scammed? Yeah, I think I think it's a, a really important question. And, uh, you know, f- first of all, something that I, I think is important to, to note and the way that I've laid out entrepreneurial you sort of uh, I, I try to present the possible income streams uh, sequentially in many ways because there are some things that are pretty easy to do even if you're just getting started even if you have no following as long as you have some expertise like for instance coaching right it's not like you have to have a hundred thousand email subscribers to start a coaching business you just need to know how to do something and you could have five friends and maybe one of them is like oh actually Tom I'd like to know how to do that you know can you coach me and boom you're you're in business you got it um, that is something that that you can start very easily from a place where where you you do not have a quote unquote platform an online course is something that I'm not going to suggest to people as the starter move. This is something that is a great thing to do if you have established somewhat of a following. Um, but it is it is a little bit of a numbers game in the sense that, uh, you know, there's only so many people out of your followers that are going to say, oh, yes, I want to, to pay you money for this. And so if you have 100 followers and one person signs up, well, you know, that's that's probably not worth your time to do it. So you need to have a bigger audience first before you are launching the course. Um, so I would I would recommend that first of all is kind of a, a later strategy, maybe a you know a second wave strategy for people as they are starting their multiple income streams. Um, however, as we're let's say you're at the point where it seems like a feasible move, right? You've kind of got a going concern. All right, let's let's investigate this. Um, I, I'm a really big fan of just evaluating the free content that people provide. I think that the great thing about uh, about content marketing, I'm a huge believer in it, is that the the way, the best way for knowledge workers, for, for knowledge-based professionals to show people what they can do, to show people what they're worth, is through, through free marketing uh, via sharing fact-based information with folks. And so, you know, for instance, I have done more than 400 articles which are available for free on places like Forbes, Entrepreneur, Harvard Business Review, etc. I you know, I I don't want people to just buy my course and have no idea who I am or what I'm about. That's that's the recipe that leads to people asking for refunds and and stuff like that. It's like, "Oh, I didn't expect this. I didn't want this." No. I actually tell people in buying my course, which is a $2,000 course, my recognized expert course because it is a analogous to the graduate level courses that I teach at business schools. I mean, this is this is the same kind of deal. It is of that of that depth. It is of that quality. Um, I, t- I tell people, no, there are no refunds. If you even think that you don't want this, if you even think that you are not going to be happy, don't even don't even do it. No, I don't want it. I want people to vet me thoroughly. Read those 400 articles. See what I'm about, and then you you will have a pretty good sense of whether my information is useful or helpful to you or not. That's what I would wish for other people to do in terms of evaluating anyone who's selling them anything. God, that is such great advice. I'm thinking of all the things I've bought where later I've been like, eh, and then I find out that the person really, 
you know, there was nothing else out there. It's, they weren't the expert, if you will. Uh, but you bring up an interesting thing because if someone was to say to me something about content marketing and writing articles and doing things like that, my brain would scream out, Dory Clark, because I only knew who I only came to know who you were three years ago. But so obviously, I, I think we're friends. We had we had breakfast at the Harvard Club together. I, you know, I, that's a big deal. You, my suitcase got accidentally taken by somebody else when I checked it. I don't know if you I remember know, that I'm story. I'm so sorry. So, so I'm, I'm going to go off script here. So Dory invites me to have breakfast with her and a couple other people. And I was leaving my hotel and she goes, oh, just check your bag here at, with the Bellman at the Harvard Club. Great. No problem. And then we all say goodbye. And I say, okay, bye. Everybody leaves. I go over to the Bellman. And they're like, oh, we, uh, we, this bag is gone. And there was a bag that looked like mine and they read the name and it was another member. And they're like, oh, he just went into the closet and grabbed his bag. He grabbed your bag and it took like an hour and a half for them to track him down at his office and get an Uber to bring my bag back to me. And the whole time I'm thinking my computer, all my clothes, all my everything. Uh, but it showed back up. So I, I didn't I didn't fault anybody. I wasn't even, even the bellman was like, God, you were so nice. And I'm like, what was I going to do? I mean, it was an honest mistake, but anyway, so I'll never forget that breakfast. But no, it sounds like it. I'm so sorry, man. <laughs> it, it Just imagine going to claim your bag from a bellman and having it be gone. Just everybody think on that for a minute and just the heart stopping thing. But anyway, back I'm never to- going to get anyone to come to breakfast with me again. <laughs> That's Tom. Right. Well, no, she's a delightful companion for breakfast. Just take your bag into the restaurant is all I can say. No. Uh, <laughs> so seriously, back on track here, though, ever since since I've met you, I obviously follow my friends and I read things and I go out of my way to see what they're writing. But your name comes like over the transom from like, you know, entrepreneur world, academic world, all these different worlds where I have my fingers. You write for a lot of people and it's not like la 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 Dory Clark and thing. You write real fact research based stuff. And I often read the stuff saying my mind just doesn't work like Dory's does. But uh I want to talk about content marketing because I think you've done it better than anyone I actually know. And as a speaker, I know a lot of people who do content marketing. So what's your advice to an entrepreneur, no matter what business they're in, why should they be writing content? Yeah, thank you. Well, I, I think that, that part of why it's so important to do content marketing, essentially, is really all, all your – all you're doing is you're giving potential clients a way to see what you're about. And if you did not do that, if you did not do content marketing, if you were not creating uh, pieces, you know, whether it's podcasts or blogs or books or whatever, if you were not giving them a window into how you think and what you're about, then it's all pure guesswork. And they, they don't really have a good way to know what it's like to work with you. Maybe, you know, they get a sense of you if they get to meet you in person. Maybe they call and talk to some references. That's that's not very vivid. That's all kind of like the second hand, like, oh, may, well, maybe he's just good in interviews. I don't know what he's really like. And as a result, it feels risky. It feels risky to the client because if I'm going to pay you, Tom, 10 grand to come speak at my conference or if I'm going to pay you 50 grand for some big consulting engagement, that's a little bit scary to write that check. I don't want to screw that up. And content marketing is a way that it enables people to feel like they know who you are and they feel far more comfortable making that purchase and choosing to do business with you because they have vetted you themselves. They've seen for themselves what you're like to work with. I just came off of an interview with a woman just before this. And the first thing she said when she got on the Zoom call with me is, I feel like I know you. Now, I had never, I had, you know, un- unlike you, Tom, we had not had breakfast. <laughs> she didn't lose her bag at breakfast. 
<laughs> That's right. She she avoided that fate. Uh, but we we had not met in person. But she said she just watched. You know, she'd watch lots of videos with me. She'd read my stuff, uh, and uh, and she she felt like she knew me. Earlier this morning, I had an interview with a colleague of mine who writes for Forbes, and she's doing a piece about Entrepreneurial You. And she said, oh, you know, reading Entrepreneurial You, I know you, and I know your voice, and I I, I felt you in the book. I, you know, I could tell that it was, it was just your personality coming through. That's what I want to create for people so that they know exactly what they're getting. And when they're choosing to do business with me versus somebody else, we, you know, we, we always know, right? Even in our own decisions, we're going to go for the known quantity. If, if this is like Mr. X over here, like, oh, it could be good. It could be awful. Or there's Dory and you know Dory and you know you like Dory and, and yeah, her stuff's good. You're going to go for the known quantity every time. Well, it goes back to the old cliche. And yet we always say cliches are based in truth. People do business with people that they, they know, they like, and they trust. And one of the things I say in my speeches is, is that's true. I mean, I mean, I look at the way I bought my last car. I went back to the guy who sold me the car before because he had come through in a clutch when that car, there was something wrong with it right after we bought it. He moved mountains with his boss and everything else, and they made it right. So naturally, I wanted to go back because I knew that that's, that was his MO. However, I think over the last decade, the definition of the word no, K-N-O-W, I think it's changed a lot because of social media and because of the way we get to peer in on people uh, through Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn. And so now I think the definition of no has been cheapened a little bit to almost no of. And the problem is it used to be to get to know somebody was a process. So you would get to know them and like and trust would come along. Now we all think we know everybody. Oh, I read her blog. Oh, I follow him on Twitter. I know them. But like and trust get left behind. So when you can really get there, when you can really get to a process where people come to know you either directly or because they've followed so many of your things over time, it's still a process where they feel they've gotten to know you in a more traditional sense, like and trust come along. And when you can have like and trust in a relationship in today's business climate, I think that changes everything. Yeah, that's great. And it, in fact, I don't know, Tom, if you've blogged about that, but that would be a really good blog post. That's really insightful. I'll do that tonight. There you go. Um, nice. So, hey, Dory, before I let you go, one last question. The people who listen to this show, they're either entrepreneurs or, or solopreneurs or they want to be. I have a lot of people I know listen to this show because they've had that, you know, entrepreneurs sort of a celebrated, you know, term nowadays in, in our in our vernacular. And they, they have that desire what advice do you have for somebody who maybe wants to take that leap like you did 11 years ago, like I did eight and a half years ago, and start their own thing? What, what advice would you spell out for them? I'm going to start with a story, and then I'll give the advice. So in my first book, Reinventing You, which you probably remember, uh, I tell a story. I, I, read, it, I read it twice. <laughs> That's right. I now 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 I'm getting competitive with myself. I'm like, oh, can I get him to read Entrepreneurial You three times? <laughs> we'll see how I do. But in in reinventing you, I tell the story about this woman named Patricia Fripp, and she I, I know wanted to, I know Patricia Fripp. She's awesome. Yes, and what I thought was most fascinating about her when I when I learned this, it took me a while to to discover this about her. She started her career as a hairdresser. Which, you know, you think like, okay, from a hairdresser to a professional speaker, like how does, how does that happen? But she decided she wanted to do it and she owned this salon in San Francisco and she had a 10-year lease and she said, all right, 
that's my runway. And so over a 10-year period, methodically, she built up her speaking business on the side. She would get, you know, first the free gigs, then the low-paid gigs. Anything she earned, she would plow back into the business because she was paying her bills with the salon money, but the speaking money she would get she'd invest to get really good videos or to get coaching so she could get better and better by the time 10 years rolled around she was able to shut down her salon hand back the keys she didn't renew her lease she was able to walk away happily because she had more than made up her income as a professional speaker sometimes people think about becoming an entrepreneur and it's oh you know it's so scary they don't they don't feel like they can do it because like oh my gosh well i can't jump off the cliff i have a family i have a mortgage I have whatever. You don't have to jump off the cliff. If you are starting in small ways, if you're creating these side income streams for yourself and you are nurturing them over time, whether, you know, whatever your horizon is, depending on your circumstance, maybe it's a year. For me, it was a year uh, in between when I decided to become an entrepreneur and when I actually did it. Um, maybe it's a year, maybe it's two years, maybe it's five years, maybe like Patricia Fripp, it's 10. That's an extreme example. But she was able to do it in a way that caused zero disruption to her business and her life because she had cultivated it so steadily. And I think that it's far more possible for people than we might imagine. Well, that's, I think that's a, a great piece of advice. And she went on to become one of the most successful women professional speakers in a day 30 plus years ago when it was mostly all men. And she was dominating that world at a time where there was very few women. And so she's a, she's a real inspiration in the fact that she was a trailblazer in many ways too. So that's, that's a great story. Exactly right. Yes. So, well, Dory, I, I can't even thank you enough for coming back on the show. This has been like an amazing interview. And I just know that, you know, everybody who has tuned in, I know nobody, nobody hit pause and stopped early because there's just been so much information today. If people are listening, thinking, I, I have to know more about Dory Clark, where do I find this woman? How, how do they, how do they track you down? Thank you, Tom. I appreciate it. It is always a treat to get to talk to you. If folks are interested in learning more, uh, the book, again, is Entrepreneurial You. It's available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, all those good places. And there's also a free resource that might be helpful. Um, It is the 88-question Entrepreneurial You self-assessment that actually helps helps you apply the concepts of Entrepreneurial You to your own business and figure out how to create multiple income streams in your own life. Uh, So for anyone that's interested in downloading that, you can get it for free right off my website at doryclark.com. It's D-O-R-I-E-C-L-A-R-K.com. Oh, that's awesome. I'm going to go download it right now because I want to know what, you know, the 88 things are. So I'm, I'm going to go find that out as soon as we hang up. Everybody who's listening, I've read her books. I haven't read everybody's books who I interview. I've read her books. They're great. Uh, I am going to go buy Entrepreneurial You on Amazon as soon as we hang up this phone. And uh, I will make sure that uh, I report back later about how much I enjoyed it. Maybe we'll start off an episode a couple of, a couple of episodes from now where I will gush about how much I learned from the book because I'm confident that that is true. And one of the advantages I I have of getting to be a master of ceremonies, uh, I get to meet a lot of my speaker friends on the road because I speak at these four and five day conferences. I'm often the opening speaker, but I get to stay and then they show up as a speaker. One of my personal dreams is I hope our paths cross on the speaking world and I get to introduce you on a big stage because I'll tell that audience just how awesome you are, like I've told this audience. So Dory, thanks for being on the show. Thank you. That's my dream too, Tom. That sounds that sounds totally cool. Awesome. Hey, and to those of you who listened, I say it every show. Thank you. Thank you for being part of our little community here at Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. If it wasn't for the audience, there wouldn't be a show. So you can follow us on Facebook, uh, Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do, on Twitter, at Cool Podcast, 
Uh, you can always jump over to iTunes and leave a review saying that interview with Dory Clark was the best episode ever because I like to get the big, nice, happy reviews on iTunes. And if you want to join the coaching program, check us out at PotentialMastermind.com. Hey, we're going to be back in a couple of days with an interview with somebody just as cool as Dory Clark. I know it sounds difficult, but we'll find him. But in the meantime, you go out there and have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at, at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.